Welcome to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance, where top-level COOs share the insights, tactics, and strategies that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Anton Sepetov is with us today from AppSumo, and Anton realized his passion for entrepreneurship and business at a very young age. He immigrated here with his family from Russia as a child and watched his family turn a couple of hundred dollars into a multi-million dollar biotech company in the heart of Silicon Valley that's still running successfully 20 years later. Living this experience shaped Anton and he realized that growing companies with his passion um, is one of the founding members of the Sumo Group. He's helped grow two eight-figure sister businesses, AppSumo and Sumo.com. He's also held a variety of leadership roles throughout all the years with one ultimate goal, helping every online business grow. Anton, super excited to, um, to chat with you today and to learn from you as well. I am truly excited to be here. And wow, what an intro. I feel like the man right now. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I said, I feel like the man right now. There you go, right? We just, um, all we need is somebody to do our intros for us every day when we're just walking down the street going, hey, look at this guy coming. That would be a great start to the morning. So tell me, um, tell us how you got your, I guess your skills, not really what your, your background in business is, but where do you think you developed your skill set to be a second in command? Yeah. So I would say that I got them in a non-traditional way. It's not that I went to school and got an MBA and, and learned that this is what you need to do to be second in command. I really got it from, as you mentioned, um, you know, my parents came to America and started a biotech company and now there's, you know, almost a hundred employees, very successful company. And I basically shadowed my, my dad around as he was the CEO slash president. And I was around him all the time. I would spend my summers when I was like 12 traveling to um, their other site in North Carolina and just being in on meetings with him. He would just have me sit in the room. And so I, I was incredibly blessed and lucky to, to be in that position. I think I learned a lot. Now, as I'm in the same scenarios, I'm like, oh, now I understand why I, I, uh -huh. I want to do this or I want to say that. It's pretty cool that, that I think if, if kids actually realize, not even kids, but if like young adults realize that they could learn as much from apprenticing and, you know, just job shadowing, um, they'd probably stop flocking to go to universities as much as they are right now. Because I think, I think you probably learned more from shadowing your parents and running their company than you ever would have learned in a traditional school. Exactly. And I, I think it's changing a lot more nowadays, hopefully. Um, yeah, you know, say same thing with my brother. He uh, he's going to school and studying art. And, and I told him, I was like, I, I I don't care if you get C's and D's. Just start working for people. And even if it's free work, you're going to be learning and growing your network. And that's way more. I would say argue that it's way more important than, than you know. Yeah, I think it's A's. way more important than way more important than A's. I got C's and D's as well. So I don't know what, what were your grades like. Um, I, I, I was still, I was still the first child of a, of a strict Russian family. So I, I had this pressure of like, I need to get A's, <laughs> but there was still, you know, I, I started a business in my sophomore year of college and, and was already, you know, I was like, okay, let me get A's and B's and C's or whatever. That's not that important, but let me see what I can do outside of that and really apply myself. That's cool. What, what was the business you started in college? <laughs> the most clever name ever is called Anton's Piano School. <laughs> um, so I've been playing piano since I was five or six and, and started a school to, to teach piano, to teach theory, mainly focused on kids and college students. And, and it was, it was a grind cause I was going to school full time. I was, I was, I, uh, finished school with a, a double major, um, but I was still doing this on the weekends and, and it really taught me a lot about how much, how hard it is to start a business. Yeah, it's amazing. I think a lot of people forget that starting a company, you spend about 30% of your time doing sales and marketing that no one's paying you for. And then you spend about 30% of your time doing 
you know, admin and back office stuff for yourself. And really at, the, at best, you've got billable time of about 30 to 40%. So it takes a long time to get over that hurdle. That's totally Tell right. us, um, give just for any of the listeners who, who don't know, I mean, I'm not sure how they wouldn't, but don't know what, um, what AppSumo is and sumo.com. Just give us a, a really quick helicopter tour of each company so we know what you guys are running. Of course. So AppSumo.com, we started around six, seven years ago. Uh, we really describe it as like a Groupon for geeks. So, um, you know, we discover the newest and latest software. You know, we, we promote a Dropbox and MailChimp right when they were starting out. Um, and it's a great way to, you know, discover new companies, discover new software, uh, and we give you a great deal on it. And so it's great for partners. They, they get a bunch of influx of new customers uh, and it's great for, for our customers because they get great software at great prices. Um, and then for sumo.com, that's, that's a sister business that we uh, started out almost four years ago now. Um, and what sumo.com is, is specifically it's marketing tools for, for e-commerce companies. So we work with some of the best and biggest e-commerce companies out there to help them get more customers um, and to really grow. And who would, who would some of your big partners be? Yeah, for sure. So um, there's, there's a ton that I think of. Uh, Hint Water is a great one. Bulletproof Coffee. Um, there's, there's, I, I geek out on, on, on our bike brands. I'm a huge cyclist. And so, so Specialized Bikes uses us. And really, you know, across the spectrum, lots and lots, and lots of different e-commerce companies. That's cool. I love that you like Bulletproof Coffee. I, Dave uh, Asprey was a former client of mine. I used to coach him. They have a great business. They do. It's, it's crazy how, how I was just <laughs> caught on fire. Everyone's putting uh, butter in their coffee at a certain point. I was at, a, uh, I was at an event a couple of years ago, just a family event. My sister wanted me to, she was, she was like, what are you drinking? I said, Bulletproof Coffee. And I was explaining it to her. And, and um, she's like, well, let me make one. I'm like, no, trust me. I'll make it for you. She's like, no, no, I'll make it myself. I'm like, I know you're going to put in way too much of the MCT oil. I know you put way too much butter. She's like, no, no, no. And she's like the stubborn entrepreneur, right? So she did, I don't know, two to three times what you're supposed to have each of the butter and, and, and uh, MCT oil. And about three hours later, she was like curled up into a ball on the floor. <laughs> Dying. butter <laughs> overload that's why there's a recipe that's so true. you currently function as the vp of sales there but you you truly are the second in command um what do you think the strengths are that you bring into the company um what i would say that i bring into the company is that you know as a second in command uh i think that i challenge a lot of things so mm. i will you know from our ceo you know and f from noah you know from ceo of the of the, the umbrella company of sumo group um, he, he will have a lot of ideas and is, is the risk taker, more creative thinker. And I'm the one that will push back on that and say, is this actually a reality? Can we actually make this happen? Uh, and there's obviously at times that, you know, that can butt heads where it's, it's like, why is Anton so negative and doesn't want anything to happen? Where that's not really the case. It's just that I want it to, be, to become a reality. And so I, I think that's one thing that I've, that I've always brought um, that, that has made me excel and just, is just pushing back, saying no, and thinking about, is, can this be a re reality or not? Yeah. Can you give us a specific example? Because that's something that is actually very typical for second in commands. Most entrepreneurs are very high quick starts. They kind of, um, you know, fire ready aim. You know, they, they start something and then plan later. And, and most um, second in commands tend to ask a little bit more questions and put a system or process in place before we like to start something. So give us a specific example of when you've maybe slowed Noah down or stopped him or not to block him, but to... Um, you know, to, to think through it. Yeah, of course. So yeah, I mean, there's so, so many examples and it happens honestly on, on a daily basis, but 
um, you know, I'll just mention one that I think of off the top of my head is, you know, Noam meets a lot of other amazing CEOs that are doing great things at great companies and talking to them about what's working for them. And he may talk to a company and, and, and they're saying, you know, we, we had our pricing, you know, you know, based on the amount of uh, amount of users collected or whatever that is. And he's like, we should do it like that. It's working crazy well for them. Right. And then, and then I say, well, okay, I think that's a great idea. Let's, let's look into it. And then really thinking through, well, does that actually apply to our business? It may work really well for them, but I would argue that it potentially wouldn't work for us. Um, and so that's just one scenario where it's, you know, moving in this direction or that direction based on, you know, what's going on and me sort of being like, actually, hold on, let's, let's not just immediately publish that and, and start going with it. Let's actually think this through a bit. That's funny. So, and you, so you mentioned he meets a lot of other entrepreneurs. Now, does he hang out in, in different mastermind groups or is he a part of any groups where he's learning? Yeah, I, I don't know specifically his mastermind groups, but you know, he, he has a big network and, and is always talking to or interviewing with or whatever that, uh, whatever that is with, with a bunch of different entrepreneurs and learning from them. And, and I think that, that in many ways that can be incredibly helpful because then he comes to us and he says, hey, what, what if we tried it like this or what if we tried it like that? But at times yeah. I can also feel that, if, that without a control system around that, it can be that we're just bouncing around the walls. So what control systems do you guys put in place for that then? I think really it's just a lot of discussion <laughs> amongst, yeah. uh, you know, when there were only four of us, it would be a room where it was if someone had an idea and then we'd discuss it and we'd, we'd figure it out. Uh, I'd, I'd say now as we've gotten bigger with, with more people that we involve other teams. And, and, and but at, this, at the end of the day, I, I still feel like with the decision makers in the company, it's more of a gut check. Is it, it's like, is it, does that make sense or does that not? And is that also who we want to be? Oh, that's interesting. What do you mean by that? So, you know, I, I, I've been working with, with, with our purpose. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm working with Noah and with Sumo for, for more than six years now. And I could have gone and done a bunch of different things. And I think in today's day and age, people jump from company to company all the time. Um, is that is that I am incredibly invested in the company that, that we are, the culture that we have, the people that we hire, and I would say everyone else's as well. And so it's it's really important every single thing we do. I I, I care about you know the money back guarantee and exactly how it's worded because because that matters a lot to me. It represents who we are. Okay, walk walk me through that. I mean, that's a really specific example of something that's tied to who you are. How how does your money back guarantee work, and how is it worded? Yeah. So um, I love that this is that granular. <laughs> I don't know why that's the first thing that came to me. Um, but we, 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 so for Sumo, we have a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not seeing any results, and you're not happy at all. We will refund you your money regardless, no matter what. And we have the same thing with AppSumo. It's, 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 we've had it for a long time. Um, and, and so why I, I think that's really important is that we're, if there was something in there that said 30 day money back guarantee, and it sounds like this great promise. And we say, well, Hey, actually, you know, if you, uh, if you live in these states or if these like, there's this crazy, like, you know, small print where it's actually, they're not going to get their money back. I would feel like we're actually being inauthentic. We're, we're, you right. know, we're not being genuine to ourselves. And, I, and that's not who I want to be. I, if they genuinely did not have a good experience, did not make money with Sumo, then I absolutely want to give them their money back. And, and I think yeah. that other companies will just happily have the fine print and, and steal people's money, but that's not us. I'd love to know who like the early, early stage companies were that started that because the ones that I kind of know for sure now that are doing it in a big way are obviously Amazon and Zappos that, yeah. you know, if you don't like your product, you turn it back, the money comes back, no questions asked, it's like shit, that was easy. Like it's almost, you almost wonder, I almost wonder like, how is it that easy that I just bought something on Amazon? It was probably my mistake for buying the wrong size or the wrong thing. And 
turning around and like, I just bought a huge uh, projector screen and I think I bought one that's way too big for the room that we needed it for. So I said to my assistant, you know, let's return it. We'll order the one size down. That's not really that fair to, well, it's not fair to Amazon really. That's my mistake, but they don't care. And the reality is my loyalty to them is so strong that I just don't go to stores anymore. Yeah. Because I feel like it's just the right thing to do. Like Mm -hmm. it, it really, if you're doing business with someone and they're just not happy, then, you know, there should be some sort of consensus to meet where, hey, let's figure this out together versus like, well, sorry, you know, it sucks for you. You picked the wrong thing. Yeah. When we were building the, or when we were starting the COO Alliance, um, we started the only network of its kind in the world for second in commands. We decided to put in place the 10 times guarantee. And we said, if you don't get 10 times your investment in ideas of ways to make money or save money from the event, we'll give you your money back in full. 10 times. That is no joke. Well, it's 20 grand for them to join for a year. And if I don't, if they don't get 200,000 in ideas of savings or ways to make money, then what was the point? And the reality is we know they're going to get way past that anyway. So we actually interviewed, we had about 30 members at the last event um, earlier in in, uh, April. And we interviewed all of them and we asked all of them on video how much they saved or made. And it was, I think the lowest was around 100,000 from one event. Um, And they go to three events a year. So we know that we're kind of in the right ballpark. I love that so much. You're one upping me, Cameron, because we actually, the, with the 30 day money back guarantee with Sumo, we also have a 2X ROI. So we say, you, you know, if, if you're not making, if you're paying us $200 a month, and if you're not making $400 a month with Sumo, then please ask for your money back because that means yeah. that we're not doing our job right. Right. Or like, so yeah, so I think that's, I think that's the direction we have to go in with this as well as we don't, I just want you to, you know, eat a $10 steak and say it, it was like $10. I want you to feel like you ate a, you know, or where am I, where am I going to get a $10 steak? You need a $40 steak, <laughs> but you feel like it was a thousand dollar evening, right? Because of the experience and the ambiance and the staff. And that's really what we're searching for. So exactly. And I think it, it also uh, just makes it a lot easier to get started. So, you know, uh, one of the companies that I really love right now and I look up to is away suitcases. Have you heard of them? Uh, yeah. Is that the, like they, they'll ship your clothes to you at your next event or no, no, no. Or- it's just, it, it's these beautiful suitcases that, that um, they have a bunch of carry on ones that have like chargers in them. It's like the oh, apple okay. of suitcases. Yeah. Yeah. I did hear about them. And, and they've been doing insanely well. And one of the things that I'm terrible buying stuff online, I put stuff in the cart and I'm like, I don't need it. <laughs> I need to save my yeah. money for something else. Um, but one of the great things is that they, they had a, I think it was 180 days buy the suitcase you can use it if you don't like the color if you you know if you use it even travel to europe and you scuff it up send it back if you don't like it and it made it so much easier for me just to be like well whatever we're about to go my fiance and i are about to go to europe let's just you know get the suitcases and try them out yeah that's like and and that's the irresistible offer that we i think we all have to start putting in place and i think that's what's changing in organizations today or companies is that uh, if you don't do that you're you're just I don't know, you're either doomed to fail or you're certainly not going to rise to the top. It's kind of like in the old days when coffee shops came out and started playing jazz. Yeah. That was cool. Well, now every shop, every coffee shop plays jazz. They got to take it up the level. Well, I think as a company, if you don't have that irresistible offer and that really strong money back guarantee to, to a different level, you're just not going to succeed. Yeah, they're just going to go to your competitors. We had an interesting one. We were building Gerber Auto Collision and Boyd Auto Body. It was a, a large chain of collision repair shops. We had what we called our let's get taken policy. And it was the CEO and founder, Terry, he was really frustrated one day when this woman came in and was arguing, saying that the, this one part of a door hadn't been fixed properly. And, and we were looking at the, at the order and we actually fixed the other side of her car. And we weren't supposed to fix the right side, the passenger side. We were only supposed to fix the driver's side. Whoops. But she was arguing. So, so he was like, you know what? I'd rather get taken advantage by her 
and fix it and have her leave thrilled and happy than argue at all and spend the rest of my day being frustrated. I was arguing with somebody and have that negative energy. So we decided that no matter what somebody wanted, we would say yes and happily fix it. And I'm sure that she would come back, you know, six months or a year after because of the way that she was treated. Well, and even if she didn't, we'd spend the rest of the day being in a really good mood because we yeah. did something really cool and that energy just reflects and throws off, right? That's a great point. So, it's not just about them. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about when you were like in the early days with AppSumo and when you were hiring, what were you looking for in your early stage hires? Yes, that's a great question. Honestly, I would say, you know, with, when you have four people in a room, each additional person is so important. Uh, and because with four people in the room, you're going to spend a lot of time with that fifth person. And so one of the biggest things we really looked for is how much do we like this person? How much do we like talking to them? How, you know, it sounds cliche, but how much would we like, you know, after the end of the day, go to grab a beer with them and learn more about them? And, and so that, that was obviously, you know, the first thing, because if you don't have that with, it's just going to be, be a non, a very not fun situation. Um, really what we looked for, for after that is, is how can, you know, the fifth person be with, with a very small team, you know, we need someone that's not so, so niche and so specialized that they can't do other things. They have to be able to wear their hats and let me try this out and, and let me learn this. And they also have to, they have to be a self-starter. I think with each of your initial employees, they have to be someone that at the end of the day will leave because they're going to start their own company. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Did you, did you guys look for self-learners, self-driven learners as well? Absolutely. So, and by self-learner, you mean someone that's go, by themselves willing to go and learn how to do something? Yeah, they already are. You know, they're engaged in learning. They're online watching videos. They're reading books. They're they're kind of going to courses for the, on their own. Like not because someone's telling them they have to, but just because they want to to improve. That's really. Yeah, I think that's really really important. One of the things that we've always asked through interviews is is you know actually one of the questions I think is yeah one of the questions that I love asking is um, who's your mentor and you know what, what was the last time that they gave you feedback. Um, and also just asking, what's the last book you read? Because if they're not reading, if they're not really doing anything, to me, that's a red flag. Because I, yeah. I don't even care if the book is Ender's Game or if it's a sci-fi or if it's whatever it is. At least they're, they're trying to learn and, and educate themselves. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'd never actually thought to look for self-learners before. I'd always built these learning organizations and viral learning programs inside of organizations. And I'd always focused on you know, my role as, as to grow people. Yeah. I've always felt the leader's job is to grow people. And then one of our COOs at the CO Alliance, um, Rachel Pachivas from Emory Skincare, she, she actually said, well, instead of trying to train everybody, why don't we look to start hiring people that train themselves? And I was like, whoa, like, like a blinding flash of the obvious that had never even occurred to me in, in all my years of business. It's so much easier. Like I look at everyone that, that's on my team and, and working with Sumo and I can tell that, it, you know, if, if I'm gone for, for three months, that, that I'm very confident that my team will just lead itself because because they, they can. They're going to learn this. And if some curveball comes up, they'll figure out how to deal with it because they can. They don't need me to be like, okay, this is how you have to do this. Yeah. Now, what, what role do you play in the organization and what role does, um, does Noah CEO play? How do you guys kind of split and divide and conquer? Definitely. So, it, you know, it's, it's changed over the years and as, as the different businesses have grown and companies have changed. So, so right now, uh, Noah really runs the, the Sumo group and the, the, now we have some other sister businesses uh, and making sure that, that all these businesses work together well and that we're progressing. Um, you know, I'm really focused on, on Sumo and specifically running our sales team and, and, and anything else that's business sales slash marketing related. And then we have Chad, who I would also consider to be another one of Noah's uh, secondhand men 
who is the CEO of Sumo. And so we, we, it's been interesting. We, we've had things have changed over the years where, you know, I was running AppSumo on my own and they were trying to build, you know, something else, which then turned into Sumo. Um, but it's been interesting to see how like the secondhand man has, has changed and, and who's been a leader versus not a leader. So talking about that, so you've got really a second for each of the two companies then. How do, you, how do each of you differ? In your, I guess in your strengths, in your skill sets, and even in, in the parts of the business areas that you run. Yeah, definitely. So one thing that, that I would say that, you know, w- why I run the, the sales marketing um, business side versus Chad um, is that I just have a lot of experience in it. And it's, it's you know, I've done sales for a very long time and, and I know, know that world very well. What I would say is interesting to, to look at Chad versus Noah uh, and how they complement each other really well is that Chad has a very strong long-term vision and long-term beliefs where I think Noah will, will happily admit to this, where I think Noah can get, um, you know, attracted by this and that, and, and that changes uh, on a more often basis where Chad will have strong core beliefs of Sumo, we're going to help every online small business in the world. And, and it's something that, that he thinks about as a 10, 20, 50, hundred year business. Mm-mm. How do you guys get the alignment? So that's kind of like your BHAG is pushing towards that, that big audacious goal. How do you get the vision from Noah or from the leadership team throughout the organization and out to your customers? How do you share your and communicate what I call the vivid vision? It's something that we haven't been amazing at. And it's something that we've gotten a lot better at in the past year, year and a half. And so we, we would always, we always knew that at the, in our heads, why we're doing this is because we care so much about helping entrepreneurs and small businesses. That, that's, that's who we've been in the past. We want to, you know, help our own kind. Um, we knew that, but, but it wasn't really defined exactly like, what is that going to look like in 20 years? Like, what, what is that BHAG, as you mentioned? And that's something that, that we've been working a lot more on and, and having leadership offsites and, and sitting down and being like, what are we actually, like, what do we actually want to be in, in 20 years or in 50 years? And, and, and that's something that we discussed and had a lot of back and forth and a lot of <laughs> arguments and, you know, arguments, but healthy discussion. And then would keep doing that for, for, for a while and really get something that we felt really strongly about. And then now, you know, that's stuff that we communicate on a weekly basis. So we have a Monday, Monday morning, you know, all hands team meeting where we go through what, what, who, what, and what. It's, that's not right. Uh, so it's like who we're serving, what we're providing them, and why. And, and we talk about we want to you know, help every online small business in the world. And so that's something that we repeat on a, on a uh, weekly basis. It's written in the office now. And, and I think much more now, if, if someone starts with Sumo, that they should absolutely know that day one. So you guys, you guys are known for having a pretty good company culture. And I mean, I think that's almost, again, like, um, you know, if, if you want to succeed or really do well as an organization, you need to figure out culture. And it's not just the free perks. So what do you guys do that is, is turning your company into a magnet for such great talent? Yeah, it's something that we've cared a lot about. Um, it, it, go, it goes back to, to what I was saying, you know, with, you know, we have four people, we're adding a fifth person. That fifth, fifth person needs to fit into our culture and, and who we are. And, the, you know, all of the, the perks and like the free massages and the, you know, cookies and all that sort of stuff, you know, we do that as well, but I, I don't really, I, I wouldn't consider that culture um, per se. For, for us, we've always had traditions of, of what we've done that, that, that really matters to us. And so that, just to name a few, every single Monday, we do a calisthenics before our Monday morning meeting. We've done it for six, seven years now, and we do it every single Monday, regardless of wherever you are. So if you're in China and working abroad from there, you're still going to call in at 10 a.m. Central 
into the team meeting and you're going to do calisthenics even from wherever you are. Uh, and so that, you know, that's one thing and, and it's a small thing, but for us, it's, it's just important. It's, it's continuing those traditions no matter what. And yeah, keep going. Yeah. And, and then we, we, we have other ones. So, so one thing that, that with four people is that when we had a really great year, we would just say, Hey, it's the end of the year. It's December. It's usually pretty dead. Let's go take a trip together. So we would go to Hawaii. We would go somewhere else and we would just go on these trips for fun. Now they've become what we, what we call now as retreats, right? And I know a lot of companies do that, but that really started just because it was the four of us. And we said, hey, let's go have fun and let's go ski. Let's go surf or whatever that is. And, and now we do those twice a year and we bring in everyone from the company. And our, our mid-year ones are more focused on more work centric and, and working through strategy. And then if we had a really great year, we will just at the end of the year in December, go to Mexico and, and everyone just has fun. Uh, and there's, there's things like that where there's also one of my favorite ones and one that we actually keep a bit secret um, for new employees is that when we have a new employee, we do what we call a ceremony. So on, the, on their first day, um, at the end of the day, they will, uh, we will have 15 minutes for everyone in the company to ask this new person, this, this new teammate, any question they want. And, and it's, it sort wow. of puts them on the spot. And, and it's, uh, but it's also just like they, they feel like they're becoming part of the family. Right. Wow, that's just, cool. we, we, it was, I was the first one that ever did it and we've done it with every single new employee. Um, and it's sort of, it's, it's just like this like tradition and that, that's where I truly consider is culture, not just the free massages. That's culture. That, that's the, you're, the ceremony that you do and even that you're branding stuff. Um, that's culture. That's, that's what I was digging for as well. I'd love to see that happen live. Actually. It's amazing. Exactly. I was at a, uh, an event a few years ago that was held at MIT for about 65 CEOs from around the world and it's held at this MIT offsite location. And, it, and it's, um, it's called the Entrepreneurial Masters Program. And they have what they call the Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> and um, It's on the second night when all the CEOs really kind of drop their pants and, and talk about one really brutal fuck up that they had in their life where they just really screwed something up in the business world. Yeah, And it's pretty amazing to just see that vulnerability and how when when you get vulnerable like that, it, it really builds. Do you guys do anything related to vulnerability and getting the the team to, you know, when you have that really high functioning, strong team that you've got, how do you also, you know, share where you, where we don't know something, I don't know how to do this. How do you, how do you, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I think that's really up. hard. You know, I think there's a, a, another, I think it's just the transparency is so important. And I've always thought that that's really important. That's, and that's always been, you know, if you start a new job and, and I have this project and I'm stressed and I can't get it done. Um, you know, I don't want to go, I, I'm going to mess it up and I, I don't want to be the one that's at blame and I don't want people feeling like it's their fault. And so it, we, we've always had this culture of one of our core values is actually fail fast to succeed. And what that means is that if you're trying something out and someone on my sales team is, let me try out this new sequence to, to, to email our customers and they, they put something in there and it just fails compared to what we were doing before. There's nothing wrong with that. It's more about sitting down after, after that and saying, you know, okay, so what happened? We tested this out and it didn't work. That's totally fine. So let's either go back to what we were doing before or let's try out something else. And it's having that culture that it's totally fine to screw right. something up. Yeah, we used to say that people don't fail, systems fail. Yeah. Um, and we tried to create a no blame environment where we just didn't want to have people blaming somebody. We wanted to look for a missing system or a broken system. Exactly. And, and I think it's, 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 it's hard. You have, to, you have to push people on that because they, they still don't want to admit to it. There's been times where, where I've screwed up and I, I'm like, okay, let me just fix this. But and then I'm like, okay, let me just say, hey, guys, I messed up. I, I need help. Let's figure this out together. 
Now you guys are, are based in Austin, is that right? That is right. And you got, is, are both the companies based there? Yep. How many of your employees are remote and how many are, are based out of your Austin office? We, I would say around 75% to 80 are, are in the Austin office and then the rest are remote. Okay. So Austin's become a pretty big tech hub in the last, um, you know, five to 10 years. And is it competitive there for talent or what are you guys doing to stay above the, the rest of the crowd? Yes, it's definitely, you know, I would say that Austin is getting a lot more tech talent than, than there has been in the past. Um, it's definitely... I feel like the best people in Austin work for Sumo. No disses okay. to anyone else uh, working out of Austin, but it's it's definitely been one of those things where uh, I, I feel like now it has it become more of a tech hub, but we're still a bit struggling with San Francisco has a lot of the tech talent. So how can we either get them to come out? I, I, and we, we've even struggled with this over the years is that we, I would say more than 50% of the people in Austin at Sumo, we had to basically import. <laughs> We had that yeah. they were in New York or Chicago or, or the Bay Area, and we had to talk them into moving into Austin. As I, I mean, I was I was in the Bay Area, and Noah had to say I, I went to school in Austin, but he said, "Hey, you got to come back out." And I was like, "Really?" Uh, but he got me back out there. Well, I'll tell you, the, with the the way the restaurant scene is and the entrepreneurial scene, and then you've got you know Austin City Limits and South by, and like just such a huge tech corridor. Now, I think you're going to have an easier easier time bringing people in from the Bay Area, where people just want to get out of the the additional taxes, the 13% or 15% state tax. And then Absolutely. you've got just the cost of living there. The cost of housing in Austin is so much better. I mean, it's, it's, it's not cheap, but it's certainly way better than it is in the it's Bay Area. It's very different. There was an article in San Francisco Chronicle that came out that said the, the, to buy a house in the, in, in the Bay Area, the uh, medium, uh, median income between the household has to be 330000 and it only said that a very small percentage are actually making that amount. So yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> show them that article and say, hey, do you want to move to Austin and actually own own a piece of land and, and a piece of property? Yeah, you guys maybe should just do like a, a landing page that shows like, you know, for this much money, here's what you get in Austin. Here's what you get in San Francisco. Here's exactly. you know, just no kind of cost of living on 10 different things, right? Because um, Austin is a spectacular market for sure. Yeah, it's so. Cool. Talk, go back to the retreats for a second. Tell me about the retreats that you're running and and how do you how do you run them? What would a typical um, let's talk about your leadership team? What would a typical leadership team re retreat be like? Yeah, so for so we do leadership offsites on a monthly basis. So we will have a full day where we will go to Chad at CEO Sumo's his house, uh, and everyone on the leadership team for Sumo will spend a whole day away from the office, uh, working through different things. So if, if it's that, you know, we're preparing for the next quarter, we want to check in on our goals for the year and how we're progressing and what we potentially need to do. We'll go through that. Or, um, you know, say we, we really feel that we want to talk about the morale of the company. We'll, we'll, we'll focus on that. And so Chad's the one that, that really leads those and determines what to go through. And, you know, it's, it's a full, it's, it's not a, let's sit by the pool and drink margaritas and talk about how well things are going. It's a 12 hour, let's dig into things and it's going to be very mentally exhausting. And at a certain point, we're going to be probably yelling at each other. Um, but it's been insanely helpful for us to grow as a leadership team to be the most important team out of the whole team. Uh, and, to, and I think that's really shown with everyone else. In the beginning, we were doing them and then everyone else was like, why are they going you know, out of the office for a day out of the week? Um, and what are they doing out there? And uh, what we were doing is a lot of what I was talking about earlier is, is really defining what our vision is, defining what our BHAG is, what are our core values, and then defining those and then 
you know, communicating that with the rest of the company. You just touched on something and I don't think you, well, maybe you did, but you just touched on something that 99.9% of companies have never, ever thought of. And, um, and I'm not sure that you guys even, maybe you do get it, but th that you said something of like the leadership team is, you know, the most important team. Yeah. I've always said the leadership team is the first team and then each business area is kind of second. So if you've got like a, a head of sales, the VP of sales, their most important team is the leadership team, not the sales team. That's exactly right. And that's, so, so I, this, I, I want to touch on this because uh, we know read a book called The Five Dysfunctions uh, of a Team. Pat um, Lencioni, bingo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so he read this book and he was like, this is us right now. <laughs> this is exactly what's going on. Anton, read this book. And I read this, read the book and I was like, oh my God, this is us. We need to do something. And so I said, okay, let's, it wasn't me that decided it, but then we talked with Chad and he read the book and, and we said, we need to get everyone together and we need to go through this book and we need to go through some of this, the exercise in this book. And I will tell you, it was incredibly hard and there was some, a lot of stuff that we were hiding, that we were back channeling, that we were not talking about with each other, that we weren't focused as exactly like what you said, which the leadership team is the first team. And it took a lot of going through that and, and a lot of healthy conflict that, that I feel much, much stronger. We all feel much, much stronger about the team now. It's interesting. Like that must be where that idea, and I, and I don't give myself credit for having any ideas. I've always tried to do what I call R&D, which is rip off and duplicate. I try <laughs> to take the best systems from somewhere and just put it in place in companies. And that must be where I learned that idea of the first team or what I called, yeah, because I, I knew it was from somewhere and I, I, I've never said it was my idea, but um, I've been ranting about it for years. And we read Five Dysfunctions of a Team back in 2003 when we were building 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And one of the business leaders um, didn't want to change. And we found out that four of their direct reports were really pissed off and were really having a problem with the leader. And uh, we confronted the leader on it. And the leader said, you know what? If my team doesn't like it, they can leave. And we said, actually, that probably means you should leave. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that book really kind of highlighted that for us. It was huge. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely tough going through that, but, but I think it's so necessary and I feel so much better about us and the future of the company just because we're prioritizing the leadership team. Yeah. What else do you work with your leadership team on in terms of skill development? Um, you know, are there books that you have them reading now? Are there any, you know, podcasts you've got them listening to or, or um, masterminds that they're in? What are you guys doing for leadership development? Yeah. It's one of those things that, that we're constantly getting better at. I wouldn't say that we're, we're pros at it at all. It's one of those things where, where Chad will, you know, read something like one of the more recent ones is uh, there's a book about customer success written by the CEO of Gainsight, which is a company that's, you know, one of the leaders right now in, in customer success and CSMs, customer success management systems. Um, and he read that book and he was like, everyone needs to read this book. Uh, and we all read the book and then we, we talk about it. And it's one of those things that then, it, then I will take that to like my mid-level managers and say, Hey, you guys would also need to read this book. And it's something oh, that we then, you know, kind of propagate throughout the whole, I don't know if propagates the right word, um, spread through through the whole company. Uh, and and I, I like doing things that was just like, we, we do it here and there with, with my team where I like having just a book club where I say, hey, guys, please please read this book. And then, you know, we're going to sit down on Friday over lunch and we're just going to talk about it. And so it, it, I would say it's something that, that we kind of do here and there and that we're, we're we want to be better at it. And so that we're really developing ourselves and everyone's developing as well, their leadership abilities. That's awesome. I'll, I'll give you a book that you and Noah may want to take a look at. It's called Never Lose a Customer Again by Joey Coleman. I have not heard of it. I would love to it read is, it. 
amazing. It, it's only been out for about two months now. I just bought a copy of it for every one of the CEOs that I coach and for every one of the members of the COO Alliance. It's really strong. What, what, um, what about it was so strong? Just his understanding of the customer engagement and the customer life cycle and really understanding the first hundred days of a customer. Mm -hmm. And I think most of us wait until there's a problem to try to save the customer. Most of us wait until too far along in the process. And the reality is that you really, it's about truly wowing your customer in the first hundred days and building that relationship, much like you do with the, um, uh, your ceremony with, with yeah. the, you know, the new employee. It's, you don't, you don't wait till till the 90 day mark to do that. You're doing it on day one. Exactly. So proactive versus reactive. Yeah. Very, very proactive customer engagement. That's great. Yeah. And add my book meeting suck as well, by the way, just while we're talking books, but <laughs> my, I wrote, I wrote the book meeting sucks so that people would stop complaining about meetings and it's 30% is written on how to show up and participate and attend meetings. 30% is how to run meetings. And then the last third is, is what meetings you need to run a highly successful company, but it's written so that every employee at every company would actually stop complaining about meetings. Yeah. It's one of those things that we've actually over the years, uh, you know, as we've gotten, gotten bigger with, you know, 50, 60 employees is that we're in more meetings. There's more people. We have to make more decisions. And in the beginning we're like, screw meetings. There's just, they don't make sense. They're just meetings. Uh, but we've, we, I think we're much better now. At, okay. Let's set an agenda. Let's make sure that meetings make sense at the end of the, the meeting, you know, let's debrief and make sure that that was a good use of everyone's time. Uh, yeah, the reality is that meet, a meeting is anytime two or more people are having a phone call in person or over video engagement. Totally so right. we're all doing it. I think the average employee, the data says the average employee is spending one to two hours per day in meetings. So if you think that you're spending, you know, if you've got a $50,000 employee, you're spending $12,000 a year of their time is in meetings, why wouldn't you spend $15 to teach them how to show up at one? Seriously. Um, and yeah, they are super critical. It's funny, I also saw Elon Musk the other day was complaining on social media saying that if, you know, if you're in a shitty meeting, just stand up and walk out. And I sent him a text. I'm like, dude, like I've known him for, for a long time, but I said, you know, you, you've got to solve the root problem. Like don't have people walking out of meetings. Why don't we just change the way the meetings are run and actually run proper meetings so that people don't have to walk out of them in the first place? Yeah, that's a great point. Make Root it cause analysis, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, go back again on on your uh, company culture and, yeah. well, and even on meetings. So tell me about some of the meetings that you guys run other than your Monday morning meeting. What are some of the, the meetings? And I guess the offsites is another one you're doing monthly. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, in terms of meetings, a lot of what we have now are, are if we're working on a big project about something, you know, customer success, um, you know, we'll have a spe specific committee on that with, you know, different uh, team members from, from each team to, to be working on something. I, I think one interesting thing to specifically note is maybe not just in terms of the meetings, but just in terms of the retreats. So we have the, the leadership offsites that I mentioned on a monthly basis. And then we have the, you know, the company, the retreats slash offsites, which we do biannually. So we do those two times a year. And it, it's one of those things where at the beginning, like I said, it was just four of us and let's just go, <laughs> let's go surf in Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> but, but now it's, you know, how can we make the most of everyone being together and, and, and what can we do so that people are learning and progressing and, and developing their skills. And one interesting thing that, that, that I've really loved and that I've seen a lot of everyone else that, at, at, at our company really love is we do basically like role playing role reversal between the different teams. So we'll have someone in sales um, have to do like a product mock-up um, or you'll have, you know, someone on the product team have to do a call, a mock call with me. And it's fascinating really cool. when people actually do that. And then they're like, wow, this is way harder than I thought. 
right? Well, or I, I really, really respect the product team because I don't know how to mock this. Or if like some of my favorite is there's the people on the product team that do a call with me and you can just see that they're just <laughs> like, I was not cut out for this. They're just <laughs> struggling. They feel so awkward. And then they realize, wow, the, you know, the people on the sales team, they're not just these like, you know, scammy, scummy, trying to take money from people, right? They truly have very strong communication skills and that's why they're really good, you know, adapt to that, adept at that. I love that. That's a really, really great idea of just getting people to try the other person's shoes on for the day or for an hour. Exactly. I was in, in university in uh, Ottawa, Canada, and we spent a day, uh, our fraternity decided to spend a day as a disabled person. So I chose to be in a wheelchair for a day. And one of my roommates chose to go blindfolded and spend the day as a blind person. Man, it's amazing spending spending 24 hours in a wheelchair. It's a pain yeah, in the how ass. Was that? Yeah, that sounds crazy. Just trying to get water out of a water fountain. I'm like, fuck me. Like, like how do you angle that? And then people like trying to push me because they thought they were helping me, which scared the shit out of me. And doors slamming on me. I got caught in a bathroom because I couldn't get the door open. Was, it was a weird, frustrating day. I felt like like you know rolling down to the just the uh, the head of the the university to kind of complain about everything. But it was really eye opening for sure. Yeah, and then I'm sure so, like your respect and really put you in, in their shoes, right? Yeah, no, it was great. No, I know I could probably go on for like a, a day just asking you questions. I think I'll just come to Austin and, and hang out with you and come Let's to your see. office and see you guys. Please Two more it. really quick ones. Yeah. Has Noah written his book yet or a book yet? He has. So he has one on Amazon. I don't think it was on there. I mean, I think it still is. And it was basically the story about how he got fired from Facebook, you know, lost hundreds of millions of dollars. And, uh, it, it, you know, this goes this goes to how Noah and I work well together and why I'm a second hand man because he... He, he wrote something and it was in this GDoc and he's like, yo, I'm going to put this on Amazon and you know, it's, it's just like a small thing. Not maybe a small thing, but I'm just going to put it out. It's, gonna, it's like my book. He wasn't putting a ton of promotion or anything behind it. And I read it and I was like, no, this is terrible. I, I, I cannot read this. Like, I, I don't understand what you're saying. This is jumping from thing to thing to thing. Like, please do not put this out there because I care a lot about, you know, the way that you look and the way that we look together. So let's, let's work on this. So what I did is I just tore it apart. I was like, okay, let's let's work on this. Let's work on that. Please tell us some more here. Um, I'm cutting this section because it's just awful. Uh, and and so I think at a point now, I don't I don't know how good it is. It's, I think it's just one of those things he threw out there. Um, but but it, it, you know that that's just goes to the secondhand man and, and how him and I work really well together. So so he has that on Facebook. I don't know if he has any real plans on on doing like another. Sorry, he has that on Amazon. Um, I don't think he has any big plans on on doing. Uh, well, if, if you guys ever want him to, there's a great Austin company called Book in a Box that yes. um, Tucker I'm an advisor. Yeah, yeah. I'm an investor. Yeah, I'm an investor in the company and an advisor to Tucker and Zach as well and JT. In fact, they're COOs in the COO Alliance, but they're an amazing company for anybody who is, um, you know, for their CEO or any real thought leader. If if you want to get a book out the door, they're a great group to work with. Great company. So, Last question you talked about, and I would never normally end a, a chat on, on our podcast, the second in command podcast by asking you about your failure, but you guys said you actually really embrace failure. Um, we do. Do you, want to, do you want to tell us one then like a real true failure that, that you guys learned from or that you learned from? Oh, I'll tell you a great one. Um, so we, we, you know, it's something that we've always focused on for a long time. Uh, and back in 2012, uh, the company was doing as well as it had ever been doing. We were making the most money. We had the most employees. We, you know, by all looks of it, we were really, really successful. Um, but at, at, at that point, 
uh, Noah and and Chad had sat down, and this is where I wasn't, you know, I wasn't at the point to be in on the leadership team or his right hand man just yet. I was still pretty new to the company, um, and they basically sat down and said, "I don't like what we're doing. We're making a lot of money, but I don't like the way that we're doing it." So what we were mm -hmm. doing with AppSumo is that we were just putting out and promoting software companies that we weren't actually vetting. We weren't actually using their tools. And so we were, people were buying it, but were they actually getting value out of it? No, they would leave terrible reviews. They would say, we have like a taco review system. They would leave one, one out of five tacos. And they'd say, this is awful. Why did, it, why did you guys promote this? And, and it was just, it was frankly, it was just embarrassing. And, and they, you know, very much Noah felt, why, why are we doing this? This is not why I started this company. Yes, we're making a lot of money, but I, I really wanted to just, what we say, promote cool shit. And this is not cool shit. And they made the decision of, uh, you know, that was determined to failure. And, and after that, what we did is we, we laid off more than half of the company. Wow. It was, really, it was a, a very crazy day. <laughs> I came in on a Friday. I, I sp the, the night before, um, I was talking to Noah at like 3 a.m. And he was asking me, how are you doing? You know, how are you feeling? And I said, I love this company. I love what we're doing. I love it so much. And he was so, so confused. Like, why do you love it so much? And I was like, because we're helping small businesses. This is, my parents came here to America to start a small business. I've always wanted to help these people. And, wow. and, and so because of, I think, that 3 a.m. chat, I was not one of the people that was cut the day after. But a lot of people were. And we really, what we did is we went back to basics. We said, what is truly, who, who are we truly? And what do we care about? And we cared about promoting um, amazing companies, not, not, the, not the crap that we were promoting. And that's what we went back to. And it was tough. We were making a lot less money. Team was way smaller. We had to figure things out. And is, is, is that a failure? Yeah, I think by some accounts, people will say, well, that, that's a failure. You guys were doing really well and then things changed. But that completely changed the business and has completely changed us now. And I would say that we're in a way better place because of that. That's really huge. And, and um, no, I appreciate it. It's funny. You, you've actually brought on so many great points on this talk that um, I hope people are, are kind of scribbling them down or listen to it again. But it's funny. I was actually going to ask you, my final question was going to be, what would your favorite dish be? I'm starving right now. For some reason, I'm thinking food. And I was going to ask you what your favorite food is in Austin and where your favorite restaurant would be. But I think I'm going to switch that and say, where would you go get your favorite tacos in Austin? Favorite tacos are at Rosita's on Riverside, and they do carnitas tacos, and they are amazing. It's like a hole in the wall. People will say Taco Deli and Torchies. Ah, that's like bougie five dollar tacos. You got to go to Rosita's on Riverside, and they have unreal tacos. Rosita's on Riverside, the carnitas tacos. I'm adding that to my list. I've got too many friends back in Austin, so I think I'm going to head back down. Do you know a friend of mine, Brad Weimart, in Austin? I do not. He's a crazy. He's got a mohawk just like you. He he uh, <laughs> he. he climbed a, a mountain called Mount Stratton. They had a, an event there this past summer called Everesting where you had to climb it 17 times and that would be the equivalent of Mount Everest. Wow. He just, and 140 people tried it, only 72 completed. He decided to do it twice and he did it 34 times. The guy is an absolute man. That yeah. is crazy. Yeah, sick, 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 crazy entrepreneur. He, uh, he trains by wearing oxygen deprivation masks and, and running stairs in some of the Austin buildings. So I'll introduce you to him. He's a great entrepreneur, local CEO. Please do. Please let me know when you're awesome. We'll go get those tacos together. I'm on my way for sure. Anton, thanks so much for the time today. Really appreciate you sharing everything. Thank you so much, Cameron. All right, bye. Take care. Bye. 
You've been listening to Second in Command with Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more best practices from industry-leading COOs, please visit COOalliance.com.